Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast, and we're going to look back over the Bank Holiday Weekend games. To look over it with me, who's had a Bank Holiday Bonanza and who's had a wet weekend? As always, we've got Rob Worrell with us. Hello, Rob. <laughs> Hello, Luke. Uh, yeah, some, some got the sunshine, some got the rain. Personally, I think I, I saw a bit of both. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a real good test, wasn't it, for those sides that have started well, or those sides that are still looking for that first win. And uh, we did get a few surprises, as ever, over that weekend. We did indeed. One of the first surprises was Wrexham slipping to defeat at Solihull. It's not a massive surprise by Solihull. They've just been taken over by former Oxford United chairman Daryl Eels. But really good result and they stopped Wrexham scoring as well. Yeah, I mean, I possibly will be less surprised than most. I mean, I haven't seen Wrexham yet. I will uh, next weekend. But I have seen Solihull Moors. And, uh, you know, you remember the feedback after that game funny enough uh, the game I saw they beat Aldershot 1-0 as well Tim Flowers was very honest in his in his interview afterwards you know that they have a particular style of playing and they're going to play to their strengths and that would have been a probably a different kind of game to that which Wrexham effects have actually faced up to so far this season you know and uh, I don't know the story of the game I've not I've not read any match reports on it so I won't comment too much but what I will say is uh, that's a magnificent result for Tim Flowers and Solihull. I think they were very, very chuffed to get a draw with Sutton the week before. And now the game plans obviously work for them against Wrexham, who were sitting pretty at the top of the league. Yeah, and the two games that Mike Fondop hasn't scored in, basically Wrexham haven't scored in the games at all, which said they're relying a lot on him a little bit. Well, they are, but let's, let's, let's be fair to them as well. They've been scoring in twos and threes this season rather than the, rather than the ones. Um, you know, and 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 he he's shown last season at uh, a little bit of guys Leanne at Halifax that he he can score regularly at this level. I'm sure sure he will. I'm sure he'll be somewhere in the top sort of four or five bookies favourites for the for the National League Golden Boot this season. Although Danny Rowe, of course, is always a taker a little bit of chasing, won't he? But yeah, I, I'm not massively surprised by that result. But what I think I, as, as a general flavour, we'll get onto the specifics in a minute, but uh, I think what the bank holiday weekend really showed us that uh, you've got to be up for every single game and that any team on their day can beat another. In, in all three of the main divisions we focus on, to be perfectly honest, but uh, particularly so in the National League, we're one of the two of those teams that, that were starting with back-to-back wins and, and that, you know, that, that, then all of a sudden they come up against a different kind of opposition. Maybe a key referee decision or the first goal doesn't go their way and so much can, can hinge on that, can't it? Yeah, and with Wrexham slipping up on Monday, it meant, surprisingly, FC Halifax now topped the National League table. They lost Bo- at Boreham on Saturday, but then they beat... Gates said at home on Monday in what was described as a war of attrition game but Halifax are now top by a point from Wrexham and who'd have thought that at the start of the season after seven games? Yeah, I don't think any of us did. You know, not one of us had them up there competing anywhere near the playoffs. Uh, they were mentioned in dispatches with regards to one or two of those teams that might struggle. I, I know we did take note as a podcast team that uh, the really good job that the new manager did uh, from when he came in last season, and he and he has kept the you know that momentum going. Noticeable that the beat they suffered on Saturday was at Boreham Wood, who were starting to put it together now. They picked up six points over the uh, bank holiday weekend, um, including a two-one win at Maidstone. Um, which I guess you're going to come to it at some point because it's kind of breaking news as we record this tonight. Jay Saunders, gone from uh, Maidstone. Mutual consent. Been there a long time, hasn't he? Yeah, he was only commenting in the non-league paper on Sunday about how he turned down the Macclesfield job in the summer. He didn't want to uproot his family, but he was pleased that basically Maidstone had, had stayed with him after a difficult season last season well that defeat at Bournemouth on Monday was the final straw and the chief exec at Maidstone Bill Williams said this is a day none of us wanted to come but collectively we decided to go our separate ways in 60 years of football this is one of the toughest decisions I've been involved with I count Jay as a friend and have the utmost respect for what he's achieved here at the football club and Maidstone fans if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter at NL Full Time uh, we'll maybe touch on it a bit more next week but is it a shock? Uh, it's certainly a shock to me. Certainly this early on in the season, Rob. Yeah, it's um, they're not they're not a club that you expect to be sacking a manager after this many games, and he's not a manager you'd expect to be sacked after this many games. Looking at what he's done, I mean, obviously tremendous to the point that he gets them up to the national league, and uh, they probably ended up in a little bit more of a battle both seasons that they've been in it than they 
thought they would and at times during the season it looked like they would that would have been tough that would have had its effect um, he did thank them as he said for their faith showing him after two, two, two battles to avoid relegation and there may well have been we just don't know there may well have been discussion before the season even kicked off like give me the you know give me the chance to see how I can get things going this season and, you know I mean it's it's not horrendous for but it's four defeats out of their first seven they've no divine right to be at the top end of the table of course Maidstone they are a really really well supported club they've got a great set of fans really really noisy fans loyal fans um, and it'd be really interesting to hear from them if any Maidstone fans do listen to the podcast you know share your thoughts with us are you upset that Jay Saunders has gone or do you feel that it was about time? Yeah, surprising that one. So yeah, as, as, as Rob said, get in touch with us. Now we've <laughs> we've been talking about all the shots woes on the podcast over the last couple of weeks, and I know you've been through the ringer a little bit, Rob. Well, it, mixed bank holiday weekend for all the shot. They lost three one at Ebbsfleet. Ebbsfleet got off the mark finally at home, and Rob caught up with Daryl McMahon after the game on Saturday. Daryl, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're one of the two managers of which I can say after that game, great game, and, and obviously you've come out the right end of it as well. What an open game it was end to end. I thought it was game. terrific. Yeah, I thought it was a good out of it for the league, really. Uh, two teams playing football the right way, creating lots of chances, um, a few heart attack moments as well, but it was an enjoyable game. Both goalkeepers superb as well. I mean, Nathan Ashmore only had a couple of saves to make, but they were decent and they, and they were crucial at the time. No, they were, especially the one in the first half from Monadio when he cut inside. I thought it was a good save. And then probably, he probably a little bit caught in the second half. But I thought we walked their goalie really well through. I thought uh, Jay Cole played really well for them today. And nice for you to get your first goals and your first win at home. Get that monkey off your back nice Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I just said we, we've created so many chances here against uh, Chesterfield and Sutton. And to not take him was, was disappointing, but I think we have been creating the chances. And normally, like any football team, if you're creating chances, the goal will come eventually. Well, clearly, you're at the right end of the table where you want to be. A word for all the shot. I mean, it's difficult. Obviously, Gary's having to rebuild again, and they haven't quite found the balance yet. They find themselves at the wrong end of the table early on, but uh, you, th- you think he'll, he'll bring them through? Yeah, he's one of the best managers in the league. He's, he, he believes in how he plays as well, which I think is a credit to him. And he's got some good players there, and, um, and he's, he's had a few injuries as well, so I'm sure once he gets everyone back, he'll have a winning team again. For me, he's a, he's a top level commander. So that was Daryl McMahon, and he was really relieved to get off the mark, and they followed that up uh, by beating all the shot on Saturday by winning down at Eastleigh on Bank Holiday Monday. So good six points for Ebsleet, Robin. Uh, they're rocking and rolling now. They're in the playoff places. Yeah, they're up to sixth place. They're pretty much where they finished last season. Four wins from the last five games. A really, really efficient unit, let me tell you, Luke. Um, they really, really are. And they can, you know, they're very, very solid at the back, but they can hurt you in all sorts of different ways going forward. And they did hurt all the shot on Saturday. Um, interestingly enough, if you're just looking at the scores, you go, oh, we shot have lost again. They've had a rotten start to the season. There was a bit of a difference on Saturday. They really started to get their attacking game going. And they were really, really tenacious and determined and uh, took a deserved lead early on in that match. Um, had a few more chances as well. But the problem was they left themselves way open at the back. And uh, to be perfectly honest with you, Luke, if Jake Cole hadn't been in magnificent form and pulled off three or four uh, really, really good saves. Edfleet could have won by more on the day. But there was there was a few green shoots of recovery there and, and, and for the first time this season Shots fans could see that uh, you know that, that that their new side might be an attacking force at times this season and uh, yeah, and they backed it up. They built on it really. They put it behind them on uh, Monday and took on uh, one of the season, one of the league's unbeaten sides in Sutton United and that would have raised a few eyebrows that one always got two Sutton ones they were helped Luke by sending off after half an hour of uh, the, the you know the very experienced uh, the real figurehead leader in Jamie Collins he was a, a little bit unfortunate it was definitely a yellow probably a harsh red but to be fair Aldershot were going toe to toe with Sutton at that point and uh you know, they scored a couple of decent goals as well. Uh, just a last-minute penalty for, for Sutton to, to give them some consolation. But, uh, yeah, much-needed win for the Shots fans. And um, after uh, Monday's game, I uh, was very brave, even though they lost. And uh, I went on a chat with the Sutton United manager, Paul Doswell, as well. Here's my chat with him. Joined by Sutton United manager, Paul Doswell. Paul, decent start to the season. First uh, six games unbeaten. That had to go at some point, I guess. But probably you wouldn't have wanted in the circumstances that, that, that did this afternoon. A harsh, harsh red, uh, in my opinion, for uh, for your captain, captain. Yeah, I think there's a, a debate on the red card. I mean, Jamie's gone in with his right foot. He's not naturally right-footed. I think the guy's had a poor touch, which he thought he could go and go and win. 
Uh, he's actually missed the ball totally and missed the player and, and obviously with his follow through has caught him I thought it was a yellow card and a stern talk to from the referee um, stay on your feet type conversation but unfortunately it changed the um, the game for the supporters here today because uh, that wasn't you know 11 v 10 is, is always difficult at this level your side had begun the game pretty well I think around right about the half hour mark there wasn't an awful lot in it at the time but uh Difficult then, and I have to say, very bold substitutions at half-time. Yeah. Three subs, yeah. all attacking, and I guess that's a clear message from you. We're, we're going to roll the dice here. We're going to give this a real go second half. Yeah, I think the thing is, we you know, we, we knew that if we just sat back, the order shot would keep doing what they did in the last 15 minutes of the first half, which is getting the ball wide, getting the ball in the box, and really that's where their goal come from. So our thought process was to stop the wide men by putting our genuine wingers on and it worked you know and at the end of the day they scored a good second goal uh, no, no no problem with that um, but we've missed an unbelievable chance with 10 minutes to 8 minutes to go uh, and if we, that had got back to 2-1 I think with the nervousness amongst the crowd and you know the players we could have capitalised on it but you know it just wasn't to be today and just generally um, the state of play in the National League this season obviously it's very very early days I'm, I certainly I heard a number of opinions and I think I've heard you say as well it's getting that little bit tougher each year you know some of the other teams are cranking up the budgets having a mm. bit more of a tilt at it mm. especially with those extra playoff places and uh, you know your thoughts on how this season might shape up differently to last generally well i think um you know it's all right having a, uh, the big budgets but you've still got to be able to produce week in week out and obviously Ches- you know chesterfield are a prime example at the moment of a club that started a season with three wins and now they suffered four defeats and you know chesterfield by their own admission have got one of the biggest budgets in this league um you have to be competitive though you have to have a budget that you can compete and definitely becoming the haves and have nots in this league there's no question about that and over a season it tends to it does tend to come out you know whether it's because you've got the bigger squad uh, the better players and it's a tough tough league this to play 46 league games every game like you saw today is a you know is a challenge and everyone you've got to be up for and it's normally the teams that have got the bigger uh, better squads that, that can come through it as I said before you, you realistically don't even need to look at the league until uh, you know after Christmas teams will still like Tramid did last year get on a roll and I think they were still everyone's favourites to go up even when they were in the bottom six bottom seven but supporters like to see you you know there or thereabouts especially if you're one of the bigger budget teams they, they expect it and that also in itself brings its own pressure well congratulations on a decent start unlucky today and we'll speak to you later in the season a fairly um, philosophical Paul Doswell there Robin I know he's done a a good job again and he, he, he was quite upbeat despite the defeat wasn't he really yeah I think so um, I, I, I think he'll have been he'll have been kind of slightly more disappointed than, than he might usually have been I mean there's no shame to walk away with a 2-1 defeat at all the shot is it but I think he probably fancied playing them at the moment they they had been down on the luck and down in their form and trying to bed new players in uh, but from Sutton United's point of view they will be absolutely fine I know I know it's looking at the form table that they haven't won in three now. They'll be fine. They'll be up there. Uh, they're a shoe-in for me for the top seven. Uh, undoubtedly, they've got um, you know talent throughout the squad. But uh, talking of them not winning in three, this is probably the appropriate point to uh, to mention. And this has gone a little bit under my radar, to be honest, until uh, Paul Doswell mentioned it in that interview. Chesterfield won the first three, and now they've lost four on the trot list. Yeah, Martin Allen, he, he wasn't too happy after the defeat against his former club Barnet home on Saturday. He said, um, basically, we were bland, average and boring. I want my team to play with passion and flair. And he wasn't too happy and they followed that up with a 1-0 defeat at Hartlepool on Monday. Now, we saw Chesterfield in the second game of the season against Aldershot and we were like, wow, who's going to stop him? But since that opening four games, they've, they've lost three on the bounce now and a bit of a worry for them. It is. Uh, I, I've got to be honest, Luke, I didn't see that coming. Uh, you know, you and I both watched Chesterfield uh, make light work of Aldershot in the second week of the season, wasn't it? And it or or mm. first midweek game of the season. Uh, and it looked like having hit the ground running, they'd only go on from there. But... Uh, you know, often we focus on oh, why a team hasn't won this game or a couple of games or whatever, but we really do need to consider the opposition because cap doffed to Hartlepool, their best start in 40 years, I understand. Three wins on the trot now, right on the edge of the uh, playoff situation there too. And, you know, fair play to them. I can't remember whether it was from the Hartlepool club or not, but uh, listeners... If you go to Twitter and, uh, and, and look up Hartlepool, there's a fantastic audio out there. It's around about a minute and a half clipped audio from the uh, 1-0 win against Chesterfield. Listen to the excitement in the commentators' voices. Listen to the excitement of the crowd. 
this at this level Luke this is a sleeping giant Hartlepool they are a wounded animal they are delighted to still have a club they've put some very very decent players into their squad in the summer and we need to look out for those yeah there was 3,773 there I presume back by a good away following as well but I know when they won last week Matty Bates said this is us now you're starting and I know I think a few Hartlepool fans were thinking well is it but They've backed it up, like you say, three unbeaten now, and uh, they're flying up that table. And d- there'll be ones to watch, won't they? As you said, they will be. They will be talking about these runs. You know, who hasn't won? Who's won? They, you know, obviously a few teams had a, a few mixed results. Luke, I'm just going to have a look and see. I know that Leighton Orient are unbeaten. I wondered who else was. Well, there we go. AFC Files and Harrogate, and we'll come on to that game in a minute. But uh, yeah, Leighton Orient. I want to mention them. The only surprise about their weekend was that when they won three nil on Monday. Macaulay Bond didn't score. How dare he not score? He's my he's my pick for top scorer in the uh, National League this season. But no, Leighton Orient, as we thought, most of us did think, didn't we? Good work Justin Edinburgh did last season. He's kept a fairly settled squad. And uh, yeah, so they're unbeaten uh, with 13 points. And uh, so also on 13 points. Fylde and Harrogate. I, I haven't actually caught up with the TV game yet. Shame on me. Uh, and it's not because it was a nil-nil, Luke. It's just because I simply haven't had time with all the travelling over the weekend did you catch that one Fylde and Harrogate I didn't know but I was following it and it seemed like it's a very tight game befitting of a team in, in third and fourth both on 13 points similar records 1-3 drawn 4 lost none similar goal differences as well so it's not a surprise it probably ended up nil nil. no two really really dogged teams really really determined um, managers as well uh, I, I've been so impressed by Harrogate I'm kind of quietly pleased for them, if I'm honest, and partly because, you know, as I say, they went a little bit under the radar last year, even though they went toe-to-toe with Salford. They, they finished second. They didn't get down on the fact that they'd finished way ahead of everyone themselves. You know, they got through the playoffs. They've quietly built. They kept 15 of last year's squad. They've put four or five quality signings into the mix, and they're doing really, really well. And uh, I need to check out exactly our tips. I know I did say that I thought they were a bit of a dark horse for the playoffs, and, and I was the only one that did. But uh, um, I'm really, really pleased for Simon Weaver, who's a, a, a really intelligent and articulate young manager who I've met on a couple of occasions now. And uh, I'm really, really pleased for Harrogate. And uh, do you remember this time last year, Luke? Uh, I think something like nine of the top ten were, were south or at best Midlands, and the northern teams had started really poorly. I'm doffing my cap. And my cap to you boys up in the north there. Halifax, Wrexham, Fylde and Harrogate is your top four. You know, then you've got uh, Orient and Everfleet behind that. But a uh, good start for the northern boys. A team who haven't started very well, a Dover, surprisingly. And friend of the show, Karen Barry, she got in touch saying, Dover falling apart the seams at the minute. We need to sort it out ASAP. The next few matches are Barnet, Ebbsfleet at home, and then away to Chesterfield. Can't see where the points are going to come from at the minute. Not much team spirit as well. Players that are coming in are not as good, struggling to replace Femi and Manny Parry, and also Gianni Guacafulo, and also letting in lots of goals and not scoring many. They basically they didn't get a good result at home to Eastleigh on Saturday. They lost by two goals to one, and then they lost 3 0 at Leighton Orient. And Chris Kinnear, Chris Kinnear is, the, is the magic wearing off, Rob? Wow, well, it's, it's, it's a strange one, this, isn't it? Because let's be honest, we all thought this would happen last year. Their squad was ripped apart. He had to start again, and they actually started really, really well last season. They didn't quite make it into the playoff picture in the end. But, uh, you know, this time round, there's no doubt. I think the problem is they've lost the quality at both ends of the pitch. They've lost, I think, three of the back four from last season. Very, very solid, dependable players. Obviously, uh, they've lost the goals of Ryan Bird and also it's been a semi-Illisanli to, to, to Boreham Wood as well. Manny Parry is a big, big miss for them. But let's look at the players they've brought in. Moussa Diara, he's in that league. He's a very, very highly respected centre-back. And Kevin Locko, you know, who, who I think he still, he came from Stevenage, didn't he? And he spent a lot of last season on loan at uh, one of the National League clubs. He was on loan at Maidstone, uh, yeah. That's it, yeah. Uh, Bed Senti Gomez from Barrow is a well-respected player as well. Uh, in the Effion, he's had his moments at this level. Jack Connors, decent right-back from M Street. So, you know, he, he's, he's signed some decent players, but maybe like a few of the other, you know, teams we've talked about, um, they're just not quite gelling as yet. So, uh, you know, we'll wait and see. He's an experienced manager and 
I don't think they'll unduly be in trouble. Not indefinitely, you know, for the whole season. I, I just don't see it happening. I think Chris Kinnear's too good a manager for that. But maybe at the moment he doesn't quite know his best eleven. And one thing I know about Chris Kinnear, he likes to keep a settled side. Two teams who were struggling at the start of Bank Holiday weekend, but have had a brilliant weekend picking up six points are Barnet and also Maidenhead United. Maidenhead, they beat Maidstone on Saturday by three goals to two, followed it up with a win at Braintree on Monday, and then Barnet, they won 1-0 at Chesterfield, as we said earlier, and then followed it up with a win over Dagenham and Redbridge. So John's, both John Still and Alan Devonshire, two experienced managers, will be absolutely delighted with that. Two very different situations there, though, to be fair. Uh, Barnet were expected to do big things and uh, they just couldn't get it going at the start of the season. You knew John Stiller would start to get it right at some point and I don't think too many people were surprised by him beating his old club, Dagenham and Redbridge. Uh, you've got to feel for them. They still, can't get that, uh, they still can't get that first win, can they? And they keep losing by just the odd goal. They are competitive in games, but I, I hate to repeat the words, it is going to be a long, hard season for them. But what a, what a feather in his cap for uh, John Steele to go to Martin Allen's side away uh, on Saturday and, and, and win that 1-0. And that would have, that would have doubly hurt Malcolm Allen. Uh, you know, Sorry, thank you, pardon me. I'm showing the age there. Martin <laughs> Allen, thank you, pardon. It really would have done. So, yeah, Barnett coming back into the picture now and we expect to see them push. And I suppose you could compare a little bit their start and Salford's, couldn't you? Because Salford didn't quite get it going over the first two or three games. But... They're starting to look like a well-oiled machine now, uh, particularly with Adam Rooney, who I think now stands alone as the top scorer in the National League. I'm going to talk about Bromley, actually. They were surprisingly down in 17th. They, they were one of the teams to stop Wrexham at the weekend. They got a 2-2 draw there at the weight race course ground, and then they followed it up with a really good 4-0 win over Haven't at home. Omar Begil getting two as well, as well with um, Junior Ogedi Uzukwe. Uh, so Bromley... Um, <laughs> Rather you than me, Luke. Yeah. Ogedi Azokwe. There we go. We'll go with that. And uh, if it's wrong, listeners, then uh, tweet in and let us know. Neil Smith doing. Um, he'll be he'll be relieved with that to get Bromley at the table with four well-earned points. Yeah, decent now. I think that sticks them bang on mid-table now. They're a little bit all over the place. Draw, lose, win, draw, win. You know, but uh, but that is you know that's going to be life for a club like Bromley, isn't it? I think off the top of my head, I think we're around about tenth or eleventh place finishes the last couple of seasons. They probably trade it for one really good one where they can actually have a right old tilt at the playoffs. But uh, no, Neil Smith does a it does a good job there, and you know, he plays. He gets his team, you know, playing some good football at times as well. And on their day, uh, they really can catch teams out. Do you remember them sticking uh, six past? Uh, Orient, I think, at this stage last season, didn't they? So now we're going to look at the National League North. Hi, this is Justin Edinburgh, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Here he is, live from Indonesia. It is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. Bleary eyed Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, early hours of the morning here, but anything for the NL full time podcast. So, we're talking about who's had a really good bank holiday weekend. Not only have they had a good bank holiday weekend this weekend, they've had a great start to the season. Played seven, won seven, only conceded one, and we have got the manager of Charlie FC on the phone now, Jamie Vermiglio. Hello, Jamie. Hello, thank you for having us. Well, I don't know what superlative to use to describe your start of the season. I don't know what to use it. It's brilliant, unbelievable. I mean, how would you describe it? I think it's uh, it's a little bit unbelievable, I suppose. Uh, certainly it's for me. When we set this thought out at the start of the season, we were obviously aiming for aiming for promotion as a lot of clubs are but to get 7 out of 7 to get our noses in front like we have done is a, a remarkable achievement for, for me for the players and everyone associated with the club we're, you know, our feet are well grounded and we're well aware of a long, long way ahead but at this moment in time we're just riding the crest of the wave and enjoying every moment it has continuity been the key because obviously Matt, Matt Janssen left in in the summer right at the end of the season but you've only really bought in a couple of players extra the, the rest of the squad that would have been there over the last couple of seasons really yeah I mean that's something that um, Charlie's always been quite good at certainly since I mean, I've been involved around the club since I was 20 and I went away for a little bit but a lot of the players do stay you know, it's a club it's a family club lovely atmosphere you know, we talk about the Magpie family and the, the ever-growing Magpie family it really is such a community club so when players come they bring their families and they don't really want to go anywhere else now and again you get one or two moving along for, for more money because you know, it's been well publicised that uh, our resources aren't as strong or as big as some of the certainly some of the league teams and the full time teams here but yeah, it's a great place to be so the consistency has been uh, paramount to, to what we're doing and you know, just aim to 
to build on the good work that we've done over the last few years since Gary Flitcroft came in Jan Jansen took over with me and Smudge it's, um, the continuity certainly helped is that is that one thing you put down to the start the, the, the basically the team spirit that you've got there yeah I mean we are uh, you know from, from playing with the club as well you understand what it, what it's like to, to play for the club and to win you, know, you have four or five really strong characters in the changing room and you're looking to to win every game so yeah the team spirit's been great but you know we've had we've got about five or six lads who, who have played 200 or more league games for our club so they know what it's about and where other, other teams at the moment not the moment but certainly over the last four or five weeks have been scrambling around looking for a player here or a player there we've been relatively set we can start our pre-season with the, uh, the bulk of our squad and can put things in place straight away I mean it's remarkable not only to win seven games but to win seven games and only concede one goal as well I mean that must be the most pleasing aspect of it all yeah it is great it just shows that you know we're not just scraping wins here and there like we have done in the past we've you know, we're going on and we're kick-starting and, and, and trying to get another goal you know one one new leads um, are great and we used to hang on to them with our solid defence but now we've you know, sprinkled a little bit of magic, and you know the fans are enjoying that as well. We've changed the style of play, we've changed the formation slightly. So, and that's all with the you know solid foundations of the defence that very rarely concede. We've only conceded one this season, and that was from a from a penalty kick. So, we're a bit gutted about that, but yeah, delighted at the same time. It's a remarkable achievement for everyone. How have you found the step up from being? kind of first team coach going straight into the managerial role has it been kind of seamless in the way it's happened or have you learned a lot about yourself I mean what exactly is the biggest thing in, in, in the vast majority of cases it's been very much the same you know when, when I was with Janssen and, and, and Smudge um, I was very fortunate that Janssen you know, would share a lot of the work workload with me and we do a lot of things together the tactical approach and things is, is pretty much the same but the most difficult thing the biggest change is dealing with players players that have very good relationships with and hopefully still have but having those one-to-one conversations you know, before the game and saying look you're not involved today or I'd like you to go and try and try and find some games elsewhere those, those conversations they're tricky because you know, like everyone I suppose you want to be liked as much as you can but you know, I'm, I'm, under, I'm understanding quite quickly that I'm not in a position to be liked it's about being the best thing for the football club but we've got a good group of lads together and they understand supporters you know a couple of the lads have already said to me whatever decision you make it's in the best interest of the team then fully respect that and if I'm involved great and if I'm not I'm just going to work hard to get involved and that's the, the type of player that we want and finally what what is the ambition for this year I mean is, is it to get in the playoffs is, is promotion the aim or now you've got off to a good start are you actually thinking do you know what we can actually win the league it's, it's always been promotion the promotion's always been the number one aim you know, we've been there or thereabouts for the last three, three or four years we've been in the round of playoffs and we've been a little bit unfortunate on occasion so you know, I'm, I'm not holding back by saying we're, I'm here to get promoted and all the players are here to get promoted. There's no point in, in taking part. You know, if, if we do that automatically, then wow, that's a bonus. If we do it to the playoffs, then, then great also. But, you know, I'm also realistic. I know every other club saying the same thing and a lot, of, a lot of teams are going for it. So, you know, what we've shown again is that we, we started well. We can compete. We can be there or thereabouts. So we keep picking up an average of two points per game. And obviously, there's three points per game at the moment, but after. You know, we're just looking at two points per game, and that'll give us. Um, we'll, we'll be there or thereabouts because uh, understandably the teams are going to pick up some form. And Telford have done fantastically there with Gav Coward, Leamington, Boston, and a few others are starting to get a little bit of momentum. So um, hopefully we can be there or thereabouts by the time it comes towards the end. Excellent. Well, we wish you all the best of the luck, and I'm sure we'll speak to you later on in the season. So that was Jamie Vermiglio, the Charlie manager, and Chris. It was he used the word unbelievable, and it is. I don't think he could quite believe it as well when I spoke to him. Seven wins on the spin, and as I said to him, to only concede one goal is amazing, and they've not conceded from open play yet either. No, I'd, well, I don't think anyone could have uh, expected it. I don't think anyone would have expected anyone to go uh, to win seven out of seven and what an achievement that is especially over a difficult uh, bank holiday period as well going up to Blythe and, and winning and then uh, and then beating uh, Curzon Ashton at home as well so absolutely amazing start to the season and yeah you're right there's only that one goal that they've conceded and that was against Blythe on, on Saturday it, it really is fantastic now you would have looked at Charlie this season I think I did when we were looking at the predictions thinking well it could be difficult here for uh, Jamie Vermiglio to to replicate or or do as well as, as Matt Janssen has done but he really has just um, picked up where, where Matt Janssen's left off and you know similar formation he plays a 
often plays like a 5-3-2 formation but it's quite attacking wing backs and the as we know they're really difficult to play at home and they're, they're still proving that to be the case now one great signing I think was um, was getting the newbie brothers well two great signings and one came in January and one came in the close season and they seem to be doing a cracking job up there at Victory Park yeah and he has also brought in Louis Allman as well who scored on Monday against Curzon he was at York last season and um, knows this level really well yeah he does and um, you know the same, same with um, Alex Newby that I just mentioned uh, we knew him, Luke from Clitheroe um, and he's made that step up and, and, and done really well and yet Lewis Almond and the, the other goal scorer on Bank Holiday Monday was Marcus Carver and you know what a handful he is as well so they've got a really good blend there it's interesting as well, Chris, because we know they're pretty solid, but they don't score a lot. I mean, you're looking at the top scorers, and there's not one Charlie player in the top five, which is amazing for a team at the top of the league. Yeah, yeah, you'd normally expect one or two uh, to be up there uh, with with a few goals, but you know they're still averaging nearly two a game, so that that will do for the time being. I think there's only uh, Leamington. Well, Leamington scored 15. I think Brackley 14, Kidderminster 14, Altrincham 14. So there's a few sides with a, with a little uh, with a few more goals at this stage, but uh, but not that many. Another team we've surprised as well. I've had a decent weekend again this weekend. The Leamington they got a really good win at FC United on Saturday, and then they followed it up with a home draw against Telford, who were also up in second place. So we heard from Rich Wharton last week, and he was surprised at how well Telford had started and. Leamington and Telford kind of cancelled each other out on Monday, but Leamington, again, take your hat off to Paul Holleran. Uh, he's doing a brilliant job at the minute. <laughs> yeah, gosh, and, and Leamington, um, often written off by most, probably including me, actually. No, they've had a fantastic start to the season. I was just looking, actually, that uh, from steps one to four, Leamington only second to I think Billericay, scoring 15 goals already at the start of the season, so they're scoring for fun what a great start as I said in pre-season he kept it, they've kept a solid squad but one player they have brought in is, a, is Matt Stenson from Barwell lower down and I think we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago but he's still scoring goals and he's on six now for the season and really really good job and Paul Holleran's getting the best out of him yeah the player brought up from the, the lower leagues as well we've just talked about a few from, from Chorley and um, yeah doing fantastically well and I mean Barwell's a bit of a well it's a bit of a conveyor belt isn't it They've, they often bring on some really good talent and they play football in a really good way so I'm not I'm not that surprised to, to see that but uh, getting his chance and, and, and taking it and doing really well now another team you want to give plaudits to Chris of Brad for Pack Avenue two wins over the weekend both by one goal margins but to beat a really good side in Boston you'd start the season well and then to go down to Hereford as well who've been uh, really good at home Mark Bauer will be chuffed with that oh he is chuffed he's, he's really chuffed I watched his interview uh, after the, the Boston game and um, whilst he wasn't well, he wasn't raving about the performance on Monday. I think it was more of a, a dig-in performance. It was interesting, actually, if you listen to, to his interview after that game, he, he mentions the wind and then almost the whole second half of his interview is obscured by the wind in the microphone. <laughs> so uh, it was a pretty breezy day uh, up there. But they did the job and they beat a very good Boston team. Now, uh, and going away to, to Hereford um, after their start to the season and actually coming up, out with a win is amazing and, and Mark Bauer is doing a fantastic job there isn't he and they've also got a player that I like a lot Ben McKenna back as well who's uh, I think he missed Monday but I think he's going to be fit for the next game another week another team we've had probably had a bad weekend and won't be too happy a team you know well Chris Stockport County they suffered a defeat at home to Alfredton who have um, had a, a great start to the season I know they were particularly chuffed to bits because uh, basically it was three straight league wins for the first time since 2015 uh, they beat Stockport County on Saturday afternoon and then they beat Southport on Monday as well so a really good start for them but for Stockport Chris a bit of trouble for Jim Gannon at the minute I, I read a few comments um, on Twitter page and there's some stop put fans it's fair to say maybe losing a bit of patience with him yeah I think I think that's that's fair to say <laughs> I think though if you go on the uh, if you go on the Twitter pages of of a lot of clubs after after a few defeats you you often do get that I think there's a lot of frustration about 
the way that, that Stockport County have approached the season. They don't seem to be finishing chances, apart from that opening day win, um, comprehensive win against FC United. They, they haven't really taken the chances, and I, and I believe that they're not really creating a huge amount as well. Jim Gannon now been there since January 2016, and I think he, he could quite rightly say if you look at my results they've finished ninth they've finished eighth they've finished sixth in the previous few seasons so he would say well look in other seasons we've had we haven't started like a house on fire and they haven't and we've put runs together so you know judge me judge me at the end of the season the big thing I know they've upped the training haven't they I think to three times maybe four times a week the big thing he always goes on about in his interviews is they're playing full time teams well Somebody pointed out that Ashton United went to Kidderminster, Curzon Ashton went to Kidderminster and came away with points where Stockport didn't. So a lot of fans are thinking that that excuse is maybe wearing thin, that they're not, because saying, well, we can't train every day, basically. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go along with that. And um, unfortunately, that argument doesn't stand up over a short-term period. You know, in seven matches, it's still... We're still not even uh, a month into the season. And so, yeah, I'm not sure that that stands true after that amount of time. However, um, when you when you open it out over a longer season, I think you'll find that um, the full-time clubs probably will finish higher up. Um, there may be a couple of outliers. Yeah, it's a difficult one, that. But I can, I can understand why fans are getting a little bit fed up with that one um, after such a well what are we three weeks in yeah not even three weeks <laughs> in yeah talking of three weeks in we had the first second as we mentioned on last week's podcast of Martin Gray at York City the curse of the podcast struck again unfortunately they reported Sam Collins on a temporary basis he got four points from his first two games in charge I think he'll be quite happy with that a 0-0 draw down at Bracklin and a 2-1 win a 2-0 win over Blyde Spartans on Monday and I think if he'd have offered him four points he'd have taken it Oh, I'd have bitten your hand off Luke because going, as we all know uh, certainly last season going away to, to Brackley is no easy game uh, and it's some journey as well obviously from, from York to Brackley and so that that point in particular was a fantastic point and then obviously getting the win on Monday as well uh, you know a really really fantastic uh, fantastic start for them but uh, yeah it's um, Martin Gray he did he never really got that bounce, did he? Often you get a new manager bounce, and it never really happened at York. Firm. And in really difficult circumstances, they're a big club. They wouldn't expect to be playing the football in the National League North. So it's going to be really interesting. That it's very, very, very difficult to predict what will happen now from at York from now till the end of the season. One thing we do know, though, is that John Parkin needs to work on his flossing goal celebration certainly according to the York City Twitter it is interesting you look at the non-league paper and there's so many names linked with that job and it's a difficult one because it is a big club it could be an attractive job to some it could be a job to others that go do you know what I don't fancy that at this moment in time well there's yeah I mean if, if you look around I mean, we've probably mentioned a name already that would be in the heart, I don't know whether he's been mentioned, Luke, in, in what you've been seeing. But Mark Bauer, you know, he's not—he's not too far away. He's done a cracking job at, at Bradford Park Avenue. There'll be lots of names linked with that job. I think uh, York City going to have to really think long and hard. And I—I I think that they need to look at someone this time who who's had proven success at this level. Yeah, there's a couple of names that I've heard knocking about, which I won't reveal now because it wouldn't be fair on those parties. But a team who you tipped to maybe struggle this year, Christy, were struggling up until the weekend, but they got two massive wins over the weekend. We're spending more two 2-0 two wins. As I say, that brilliant win down at Boston, and they followed it up with a 2-0 win at home to FC United on Monday. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, we didn't see that one coming. I mean, we've been slightly surprised by spending more starts of the season although I did think they would struggle uh, in this second um, the sort of second season syndrome if you like but what they always do have is they always have a, a bit of pace up front and um, I know they surprised Boston with that with the first goal they scored on 
on Saturday and one other name that really stood out for me that I, I didn't actually I'd missed had actually gone there was uh, was Sean Tootin who I first saw at Buxton and thought was a real talent if not not someone who, who was going to track back into the fullback positions if he, if, he, if he had to and he's been signed at, at Spennymore here obviously he spent um I think he played seven or eight games for Barnsley recently in in League One as well so I think that's a really interesting sign in there for Spennymore and if they can get the best out of him he might just provide a, a bit of X factor as well this season yeah and he signed him from Chester and Chester of course Chris I mean really unfortunate what's happened there they're struggling to play any games at home at the minute the game on Bank Holiday Monday against Hereford was called off they've played uh, an away game at Telford on Saturday before that was the 8-1 thrashing at Blythe and it must be so frustrating for Anthony Johnson and Bernard Marley at the minute oh god yeah I mean if, if you're just playing away games you, not only can you not really build up a bit of momentum like the other teams are, uh, are able to build up when you know you're playing regularly but you're not playing in your own backyard <laughs> stating the obvious but you're not playing uh, where you're comfortable and you know I, I'm not sure what the situation is there. I'm not sure how long that's going to take to sort out, but I know that they haven't got a, a license at the moment, and that's the problem. So they can't actually hold hold matches. But for their sake, I really hope it does get sorted um, very soon because at the minute it's uh, well, it's incredibly difficult just playing away from home. Yeah, and also revenue streams will be affected as well by not having a home game. I mean, you get some good crowds there, and yeah, that's, that, that, that's going to be a source for them as well, trying to raise the money to pay the wages while they're not playing at home. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, I guess one thing, I, I, I think... Um, I think most of the league will want them to get this sorted out. But yeah, yeah. I mean, let, let's just hope it gets sorted out as soon as possible. And maybe they go on a bit of a cup run and get a you know a big team at home or something that can that can try and redress some of uh, what they will have lost. And finally, another team who was struggling on and off the pitch. Somebody you wanted to highlight, Nuneaton, Chris. I mean, a, a shocking start to the season. Bottom on two points. After this weekend's games, they they put up a decent fight against uh, Geisley away from home. Uh, it needed a last-minute winner from Kane Felix for him for Geisley to win that game. But then uh, disappointed on Monday against Brackley at home, and they're in dire straits at the minute. Yeah, yeah, they are, and um, Nuneaton Borough, as they're now again called. Yeah, they're having a tough time on and off the pitch, and so I've done, I, I did a little bit of. I always like to to have a look on social media, do a little bit of research, and it seems like. It does seem like the fans understand they're going a bit of through a bit of change, uh, a bit of turmoil on and off this pitch. Uh, but things aren't going on uh, very well on the pitch as well. I noticed that um, Ash Carter, the captain, got sent off versus Geisley the other week. He he's had to come out and apologise because it looked like he might have had a go at the fans as he was uh, he was getting sent off. It's not great for your captain to get sent off. There was another sending off this weekend as well, so they've got a few disciplinary problems. Um, they've got a very young squad there as well and they, they really need leaders and they really need to, to start digging in and picking up a few points because uh, despite the fact that it, we are only a few weeks in the in the season, they at the minute look like um, look like a team who uh, who are really going to struggle. So they need to start digging in, picking up the odd point or two, and and trying to build from there. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us in your review of the National League North uh, roundup. We'll let you go back to bed. <laughs> Very welcome, Luke. Uh, enjoy the rest of the pod. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. So now we'll move on to the National League South. And in the National League South this weekend, well, it was fair to say Torquay didn't have the best of weekends and Gary Howe was under massive pressure. As it stands, he still is Torquay manager, but there's a lot of fan dissent around at the minute. He lost 2-0 at home to Hampton and Richmond Borough on Saturday and then only drew 0-0 at Gloucester on the bank holiday Monday in Torquay. They're currently languishing at the wrong end of the table by their standards. They are, and if you... If you rewind seven days or so to to Tom's, you know, thoughts on Torquay United having having watched them at Slough in another nil nil, he said that uh, there's definitely unrest amongst the supporters, and uh, he thought that perhaps Torquay are going to need to be a little bit bolder, a little bit braver, particularly when they go on their travels. Not that it's um, Gary Owen's job to listen to Tom Lang, but certainly there's no evidence of that happening yet, and. Uh, 
they're, they're in serious danger of becoming known as Torquay United nil at the moment, aren't they? Mm. Uh, they certainly haven't scored a goal in the last three games, and uh, I think at the very least their fans expected, uh, you know, probably upper mid table to, uh, you know, push him for the playoffs at this stage of the season. So uh, he may well be on borrowed time there um, at Torquay. Um, he's an experienced manager, but. Uh, He's not getting it right at the moment. I mean, one team where probably the strangest story of the weekend across the National League was um, our friends down at Billericay. Now, they had a good win on Bank Holiday when they coming from behind to beat St Albans City at home. But on the Saturday, they lost two goals to nil at Chip by uh, Chippenham. And it was a first defeat in 20-odd games. But it wasn't enough for Harry Wheeler to save his job, bizarrely. He was supposedly sacked by Tex five minutes from the end of that game by the owner Glenn Tamplin and Rob uh, what a strange strange situation I just you know often you think that it's ridiculous how how quickly managers are fired and stuff like that but this has to be up there with one of the most bizarre decisions I've ever heard in my footballing experience uh, I'm pretty sure it's one defeat in 29 Luke I don't know if more has come out and again I'm not quite across all the social media about this one but I'm just going to stick with the facts you know first defeat of the season you know really really good start playing well winning games scoring lots of goals and they have a bad day yeah and they lose to you know they lose to Chippenham and by the way well done Chippenham uh, you know congratulations mm, to them let's not make it 100% about Villaricky but but no it seems bizarre and you have to wonder you have to use some logic and think is there something else was there something else going on was it just purely for football reasons and, and, and results my first thought if I'm honest the one thing we do know about Glenn Tamplin the one thing we know he took himself kind of out of the equation a little bit last season because he admitted he was too emotional too emotionally involved I hope that's not the case I hope that's not why you know a text was sent to the manager five minutes from the end to say he was sacked um, surely Luke more has got to come out about this one yeah, it'll be interesting to keep across developments and that and who is going to get the job there. Concord, after a great start to the season, they got a good 1-1 draw away at Wheelstone on Saturday. But then on Monday, they ran into Steve Kingswelling and they lost by five goals to nil. And it was a performance with Jack, Jack Midson called unacceptable. But uh, what a result that was for Welling. I don't think many people would have backed them to go there and win by five goals. No, I mean, he's starting to get it right, isn't he? And we thought he might do quite well with them, Steve King. We thought that might be a good combination this season, but hey, to go to Concord, I, I, I don't know what's happened there. Uh, we'll have to perhaps hear from our friends at Concord on that one, but uh, that's a staggering result. That really, really caught my eye, that one, um, on, on Bank Holiday Monday, and, uh, and, and, and we might as well link from that into another side that scored five goals away from home, and they needed to to win because uh, what a cracking game. I was at this game last season um, when Hemel beat Chelmsford 3-1. On Monday, it finished Hemel Hempstead 3, Chelmsford City 5 and 6 points over the bank holiday weekend for uh, Chelmsford. They're right up there in the mix. But they're a bit more tied to Saturday to beat Bath City by a goal to nil. But yeah, and it, all, it all kind of went a bit crazy on the, on the Monday, didn't it? As you say, when you score three goals at home, you expect to win the game and uh, they'll be absolutely devastated about that, losing at home Hemel Hempstead Town. A good weekend for Oxford City as well. A good 1-1 draw away at Western Supermare followed that up with a 3-0 win at home to fancied Wheelstone and on that 3G pitch they'll, uh, they'll fancy themselves and Kabongo Shishimanga's doing uh, really well he scored a couple of goals over the weekend as well as Matt Pattison and they've got it together Yeah I know both of those players they've both been at Aldershot at one point although Shishimanga uh, was never really given a chance when he was on loan from MK Dons he's been really prolific at youth level and by all accounts uh, he, he didn't show up well enough in training to get a, a start in the games but I mean at that time all the shot weren't scoring too many goals I think I'd have just chucked him in there Luke anyway he knows where the goal is mm. doesn't he that's for sure um, there's another team I wanted to mention well, how could we forget them I just think it'll be quite sweet for any Woking fans listening to hear me talk about them although I personally coming from Cambridgeshire, I don't quite feel the rivalry that's uh, supposedly there between Woking and Aldershot and I was really really sad 
to see them go down uh, last season, not least because my BBC commentary colleague Gary Smith was uh, having to call those games and nobody wants to be involved in any way, shape or form with the relegation. But well done, Woking. Great start to the season. They backed it up over the bank holiday weekend, Luke, didn't they? A 3-1 win against Truro and a 2-1 win at Eastbourne Borough. Both teams you would expect them to probably edge it against, but uh, it's one thing, you know, playing football on paper, you've got to go and do it on grass or 3G, haven't you? Yeah, and they're clear at the top now on 18 points in the National League South. And a team as well who we always mention for the wrong reasons and, and sort of pity them a little bit because they're struggling. At Hungerford, they got six points over the weekend and Ian Herring will be absolutely delighted. Hungerford, they beat Dartford on Saturday at home and then they went down to Truro and won by three goals to two thanks to a hat-trick from Charles Tengrottenweiss. And... Uh, he basically <laughs> took a photo on the way home on the team bus of him with the match ball, with the seatbelt around it, and he was chuffed to bits. But uh, well done to Hungerford, and they've shot up the table now, Rob. Yeah, it was Hungerford fans, wasn't it? We had one or two of them dissenting with us because we'd all tipped them to go down. Well, well done. You've had your moment this weekend. Six massive points for Hungerford, and uh, absolutely worthy of, of, of a mention from us both. And, uh, you know, that would have really got things going. Sport. Any, you know, I was going to say football, but sport, any kind of sport, it's all about momentum. When you've got it, you just want to keep it going if you possibly can. And when things are going against you, you're desperate to find any kind of way of just halting it, you know, and turning things around. And it's one of the reasons, I think, one of the main reasons that why we all love football, you know, uh, on any given day, you, the minute you go and think that's an absolute banker, you stick it in your, tri- in, in your triple or your, or your um, your acker or whatever, and there's always one that you look at and you think, how on earth did that happen? Well, it happened twice this weekend for Hungerford. Well done, you. Yeah, and that's why the National League's bonkers, Rob, because you can't, if you're a betting man, you just can't bet on it, can you? Because you think, well, that team's going to win, and then they don't win. And if you bet on the National League, then I imagine you're losing quite a bit of money. Yeah, I think so. I'm not much of a gambler myself, um, but I do have a close friend who I do a prediction thing with. We, uh, you know, most most weekends when there's a full set of fixtures and we've got our own little scoring system we've got devised and we always talk about when we go when we add up the points as we go through and then we go to you know and then and then he always says to me, you know, uh, and we're coming into and that just your and now we're coming into your league and he says it's my league as if I should know everything about it. I should be able to predict all the results. But you know what, I I just can't and uh, do you remember Adam Virgo and uh, um, Adam Summerton? I think they mentioned uh, Jeff Brazier that they have a little prediction thing as well and they can't get it right. Nobody can, Luke. It's impossible. No. Well, as we say, the National League is... The three leagues are the leagues that keep on giving, really. And that is it. We're looking forward to seeing what next week serves up as well across the three National League divisions. Thank you very much for listening. Rob, thank you once again for joining us. Yeah, have a great week and uh, we'll speak soon. Yeah, and as we said, if you agree, disagree, get in touch at NL Full Time, uh, NL Full Time on Facebook. And if you don't have Twitter or Facebook, then email us nlfulltime at gmail.com. Until then, happy football watching, everyone.